So this morning, it is my great pleasure to introduce, well, you're not really a guest speaker, are you? Come on up, both of you, just for a second. Let's introduce you to Brandon and Brianna, those of you who don't know them. This couple are uh, wonderful. Jane and I knew when we first met them that there was something really special in their hearts, that God had really kind of done something in them, kind of like he'd done in us, but different. <laughs> and, uh, and so they are doing what we're doing too, which is to help people to know that they're loved, that they matter, that whatever they've gone through to get to this point doesn't need to hold them back from becoming all that God meant them to be. And uh, so we are honored to partner with you guys. These folks meet here on a Sunday afternoon, which is what we're going to do this afternoon. And so we figured that for Together Sunday, the best way to do this was to ask you to speak in the morning, and then we're going to speak this afternoon. So, And anybody who's got the energy to stick around for all of that, congratulations. But uh, this morning, Brandon, why don't you come and share with us? And Brandon, you got something you'd like to say as well? I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> we're glad to have you. So, go ahead and share the word with us, challenge us, impart to us, share your heart with us. We love you. Bless you. Can we just all stand to our feet for a moment? Two housekeeping things I want to do, if that's okay. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go across the room and I want you to hug someone. And I just want you to hold them for just a second. And I want you just to share the love of God with them. Can we do that for a moment? It's Unity Sunday. It's Together Sunday. Let's be together in just a moment. So embrace someone. The second bit of housekeeping is just uh, another moment of worship and song, if you don't mind. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I 
say that you're mine. Yeah, come on, you're all together. All together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Come on, here I am, here I am to Here I am, say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, yeah, all together wonderful to me, come on one more time, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. You're my God. You're all together. All together. All together. Wonderful to true spirit of the living God is in this room and that it is a moment of worship that is here that we have entered into the Lord's presence and we want to continue to stay there and worship him today amen amen I want to give you exactly what the Lord has given unto me nothing more nothing less uh, I want to just honor you all because we thank God for your friendship for your leadership and your wisdom we definitely miss our dinners. Uh, <laughs> we have not had a chance to do dinner in a very long time. Uh, but Pastor Mark and I meet uh, every week uh, as often as we can on Wednesdays. And so it is awesome to be here. And we just thank God for you. Can you just clap your hands for Mark and Jane? So incredible. So we thank God for you. All right. We're going to get into the word of God. We're going to go to Luke, the 19th chapter. And if you don't mind making, I'm, I'm at home already. Okay. It's good to see you. Um, let's, would you mind standing for the word of God with me just together? Look the 19th chapter. We're going to read verses 28 through 34. Look the 28th chapter, excuse me, the 19th chapter, 28 through 34. And the scripture says, after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples, and he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. He sent two disciples ahead, go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it.
you do me one more favor? Let's go to Judges, the sixth chapter. Let's start at verse 12 and just read a few verses. Judges, the sixth chapter, starting at verse 12, the story of Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles of our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Thank you so much. You may be seated. If I could use for just a subject today, I would like to talk to you uh, from this. Loosed for his use. Loosed for his use. Thank you. All right, let's get into his word. It's imperative to see the beauty of Jesus coming and his accomplishment in bringing us into places of freedom. As Pastor Mark and I were talking at breakfast, we tend to have moments where we begin to share what the Lord is doing in us and what he is saying to us. And Mark has been excited for the last few weeks talking about freedom. And I said, Mark, it's crazy that you're talking about freedom because on our end, there is a level of freedom that we are discussing. And so I wanted to make sure that we stayed in that arena, but God was showing me something unique because when he said go to Mark 11 and then go to Judges 6, I said, what is the relationship between these two? But I believe that before we leave today, we'll see that relationship come alive. Let me tell you something, a, a quick story. So I can't uh, promise you that I was a model child. I cannot lie to you and tell you that I was a model child. Um, I had a mouth on me. And so I had a tendency watch it, to talk back. <laughs> I had a tendency to talk back often. And so I remember one time my uh, mom told me to go in my room and I was on punishment. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going in the room and I'm going to play my game. And she came in the room and she took everything. And it was me in a room with uh, a lot of bricks around and it felt very much uh, like uh, a prison. Uh, but I think that was its purpose, is to, to feel locked up for a moment. And I understood the reason why she did it, because she was trying to teach me a lesson. But then she came home, uh, she, she left and she came back home and she said, I need somebody to take the trash out. Well, the trash was heavy, uh, and I was the only man in the house at the time, and so she said, Brandon, come out of punishment, I need you to take this trash out. And I said, wait, now I told y'all I had a smart mouth. I thought you just put me on punishment. Oh, now you need something from me. And so I, I come out and, and yes, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> but she takes it and, and she has me to take out the trash and I say, hmm, look, and now you needed me. And so, and she said, yes, I needed you. <laughs> but you're going back on punishment 
but when I call you and I need you, I need you to come out of wherever you are and do exactly what I ask you to do. Yeah, mom is right, okay? Uh, I learned a lesson from that, that even in moments of punishment that I can still be useful. And that no matter where I am or what I have done, it does not exclude me from the ability to be used. And so we see in this particular scripture in Mark 11, it is the fulfillment of what happens in Zechariah 9 and 9. That the scripture says that Jesus in his triumphant entry would come in and ride a colt that had never been ridden before. And so this colt, this donkey is tied to a post and he's never been ridden. He's, he's, he's tied here. And, and to me, it seems like, wow, I had to hold on to get to this place until there would be the time of my divine use. It's, it's amazing how God has a way uh, so strategically placing you in a specific place, placing you in a specific situation, placing you with a specific people. All the while, he has a divine strategy of when he will release you and use you. That God is so strategic that I had to go to certain places that I didn't, it didn't make sense to me and, it, and I did not understand why. Because if I be honest with you, I never thought I would be back in Myrtle Beach. Let me be honest with you. I tried to run from Myrtle Beach three times and somehow I keep going back. I done went to Charleston and I've gone to Savannah and Hilton Head and I've tried to go even to New York and Florida. And somehow I keep coming back to Myrtle Beach because God's divine strategy and God's divine will is that there is a work that needs to be done here and not only is there a work that needs to be done here but just like your fingerprint has a specific dna my hand needs to be put on something because god has put a specific anointing on my life that is for this region and i believe that if you are here and you've tried to make the run yourself that god has you here for a specific reason because there is something so divine about your anointing that god has for this specific place God is that intentional. He is that strategic that he knows exactly what he's doing. Imagine being, uh, you have four legs and that you see everyone else being ridden and yet you are one who is sitting on the side waiting for your moment of loosing to come. It's powerful to see that what you should, what should be the the typical purpose is not the typical purpose. See, the donkey had to watch other colts and donkeys be ridden but yet I am sitting here not doing what everyone else is doing I want to encourage you that one of the things we must be freed from is comparison because my walk does not look like yours and your walk does not look like mine my, my, the way I articulate and deliver the word may be different from Mark. We serve the same God and we believe in the same Jesus Christ. But there is a difference in our anointing. And I have to be careful because comparison would try to discourage me from delivering the word of God the way that he has given it unto me. Because I'm trying to do what seems normal for everyone in the room. But I had to come with a confidence in myself to say, God, if you've given it to me this way, then I have to give it to your people the same exact way. I want to tell you that world standards and culture in the world would tell you that there is a uniform look in how we do things. And what has happened is this commercialism has hit the body of Christ. And we have people trying to preach the same way, teach the same way, look the same way. We try to set our services up the same way. But I don't want to be anywhere where the Spirit of God is not. I don't want to do anything that the Spirit of God has not told me to do. I I saw something so powerful up here during worship. I have been singing Good, Good Father all week. And Pastor Mark was getting ready to get up, and he was getting ready to start moving into another place of service. And I watched Pastor Jane say, one more song. 
And I was so glad that she sung that one more song because that one more song, if it wasn't for anybody else in the room, it was for me. See how intentional God is that he put something on my heart the entire week and God let Jane say one more song and it knew it was going to touch my heart. Look at God. Come on, y'all. That's powerful to me. You, you changed it last minute because God had a divine strategy and a divine will that he wanted to accomplish. So you have to be careful that comparison does not hit us. That the way that we articulate and move in the word is different from everyone else in the room. My dear sister here, I thought that I, I saw a, almost a timidity trying to hit you as you were singing, but there is a beauty in your worship. Can I flow the way that God gives it to me? There is a beauty in how you flow in worship because it's authentic. Your heart is in it. Do not be worried about your sound. Focus on your heart because there is something so true about your worship. And that was the most inspiring thing to me. It's not that you can move melodies and do runs, but that you are authentically up there doing what God has positioned you to do. And if you're not careful, you'll be listening while you're worshiping to everyone else trying to sing and sound like them. And you will deliver, you will intentionally take the sound that God has placed in your life that is needed for someone release because inauthenticity does not move God. It is not inauthenticity that gets God to deliver a thing to a people. But it is when you come into the authenticity of who you are, regardless of what it looks like and what the world standard is, when you can come into that place, that's when God can use you. Here now, he is telling the disciples, go, I need it. It's time now because Jesus is so strategic that he is preparing himself for what is to come. Because the one thing I love about Jesus and I learned from him is to always keep the assignment that God gave you at the forefront of your mind. Because the day you lose sight of your assignment, you start moving all kind of crazy like you know what I'm talking about. The day you lose sight of what God has given unto you because you were trying to make it look like something that God did not create, then you start trying to figure out, Lord, why is it not going the way that you promised me? God said, because what you're doing is not what I promised you to do. It is not what I called you to do. You've got to ask yourself, am I really doing exactly what God has called me to do? Or have I veered off somewhere trying to make my own decisions? Because we have a tendency that when God gives us a word, we try to go make it happen ourselves and our hands are very messy when we try to get into it can I tell you something I, I, I remember that the Lord gave me a word for a, a woman in business and I said listen God is telling you to go and pursue this business this is what God has for you and she believed it. she said this is just confirmation of what God had already told me God told me that I, I'm going to grow in this business and God is going to use this business to save souls well God she started her business and did exactly uh, what God told her to do in the beginning she started and souls were being saved people were coming in and, and it was encounter but then hardship came and she didn't realize well oh Lord this is your promise being fulfilled, but I didn't realize that hardship and adversity was going to be a part of it. <laughs> and so eight months into her hardship and adversity, she begins to contemplate, is this really what God called me to? Well, you were so sure and certain when things were going well that God loosed you into this place. But now because adversity uh, has come in and now you are questioning the same God who gave you the word in the beginning. You're questioning that same faith that you had in the beginning to start a thing, but where is your faith to finish it? And so she, she gets discouraged, and, and she ends up closing her doors. Uh, and she says, you know what, I'm going to go get 
my old job back again. Well, she goes to her old job, and two months after her old job, she gets terminated. And they eliminated her position, and she says, now, Lord, what are you doing here? And, God, and she said, this is the funniest thing, she says, God told me and responded back to me. He said, I'm not doing anything. You're doing all of this. Go back to what I told you. And her faith was challenged in that moment because she had to go back to the original word that God had given her. And she goes back to the original word that God has given her, and she is successful today with four different locations for her business because she had to endure the adversity to see the promise become fulfilled. I want to tell you that it does not matter what adversity has, has risen in your life in this moment, that there is nothing that God cannot accomplish or that he cannot do. But do not let adversity alter the assignment that God has given you in your life. Because we tend to get discouraged in the face of adversity and we begin to start shifting ways and we start shifting in our faith. And God is looking for someone who will be like Psalm 1, planted by the streams of water, by the rivers of water, that you will be planted and stable, and that you will be standing and steadfast, that you can endure suffering. It is a part of the process. But how many times have we let suffering or adversity shift us off of the assignment or the course that God has given us? Because we started getting in our head and we started getting in ourself and we started worrying about how it's going to happen. And even though we serve a powerful God who has the ability to do all things, our faith starts getting shaken. It is beautiful to me that the disciples, they follow Jesus even when they have their own adversity within self. If you go back and look at Peter's story, I find it to be so powerful that Peter is doing what he normally knows how to do. He is fishing, and Jesus comes in, and he interrupts his normal because he wants to free him out of his normal into something that is so much bigger than himself. And after the, the demonstration of God's power, of Christ's power, you then see that Peter has a moment within himself that he says, but I am a sinful man. Isn't it amazing that when God is calling you into something powerful, the awareness of self comes in? If you don't believe me, look in Isaiah 6, that Isaiah see, see, sees, uh, the, the, the scripture says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he sees his train fill the temple and he sees them saying, holy, holy, holy. And he knows that this is the moment where he's getting ready to be called. But he said, listen, for my lips are unclean and I am around a people who have unclean lips. And the angel comes and takes the tongs off the altar and puts it on his mouth because there is a recognition of, listen, God, there's something in me that is not going to be useful for what you want to accomplish. Peter has this moment. Isaiah has this moment. Moses has this moment that when God goes to talk to him and tell him that I need you in service, Moses begins to doubt himself and say that I am not eloquent of speech. It is a normal thing to look at yourself and figure out why you're disqualified for what God has. Why wouldn't God want a cult who is experienced in being ridden? I had to ask myself that question. Why wouldn't you want someone who already knows how to do a thing? Why wouldn't you want somebody who, who already knows how to move when you say, when you move the reins? Wouldn't you want somebody with experience 
but yet he gets someone who, a, a, a cult who has never been ridden before. He gets someone who has never experienced it before. I've got to tell you that I find a power in that. That it is not your experience that's going to move God on your behalf. But it is your willingness to be used by the Father that shows him that, listen, even though I've got some proclivities and even though I have some things that would disqualify me normally, there is a grace for you that, that you want to still work within me even though I don't seem like I have it all together. Because the one thing that I have to tell people is that when we come together, it is no reason for us to put on a show like we are all good. No, let's be honest in the room. No, I've got some challenges in my life, and I've got some proclivities that I need to work through, and I've got some things that I still need God to touch, some areas in my life. Because I tell people, it's not just what you say, but sometimes the way you think is a thing that God, we have to pay attention to. Did not Joseph, Joseph think about divorcing Mary or leaving Mary? And God sent an angel to talk to him in a dream. It was in his thought level that he spoke and God responded to him. Maybe your words sound good, but are your thoughts discipled? Maybe your worship sounds good, but are your thoughts discipled? Does your thoughts feel the same way that your mouth does, that your heart feels, that your hands are lifted, but are your thoughts the same place? God uses someone with, uses a thing that is inexperienced. He uses a thing that does not carry the same experience as everyone else because he has purpose for it for himself. I've got to tell you that there is a power in that work for you. That it does not matter what you don't come with. It does not matter that you don't have the experience that the world would suggest is acceptable to do the work of God. But that God has an ability to still use a person. Can I tell you that I, I've seen it in my own life. That I, I don't knock anyone for pursuing higher education. I think it is powerful. But I have been fortunate enough to see God work in my life in ways that I thought I was disqualified from. I, I really have a tendency to somehow disqualify myself from the things of God because I look at myself and I say, no, God, I can't do it like that. And no, God, I don't sound like that. And uh, we were in the car yesterday and they were saying, oh, we love when you sing. I was like, I don't sing. I, I just let some noise out and it just comes from an authentic place. Uh, we have a tendency to be, to be uh, uh, conditioned in our comparison. But God uses something that doesn't have the experience that other things would. And he uses it as the fulfillment of the promise that the prophet Zechariah had said. That's how powerful he is. And so he sends the disciples and he tells them to loose the coat, untie the coat and bring it to him. And he says, they ask him, well, what, what shall we say? If they ask, what are we doing? And Tell them that the Lord needs it. And sure enough, they go and they see and they, they see the cult that, God, that Christ is talking about and they loose it. And sure enough, the farmer, the, the, the owner comes out and says, what are you doing with this? And he said, they say, the Lord needs it. I want to tell you that God has already put the language in your heart for what will be necessary to unlock this next place. The language has already been put in your heart. See, we get to the place and then we say, God, what shall I do now? God's like, no, remember what I've already told you. 
I love the word that Paul speaks to Timothy, and he challenges him, and he says, listen, if it wasn't for God's mercy, I would not be here. But I want you to do me a thing. Remember the words that have already been spoken over to you. I want you to go and take a moment and just remember what God has already told you. I know sometimes we come and we're seeking new word and we're looking for new things, but have we really accomplished what God has already told us? Have we really uh, uh, seen the fulfillment already of what God has given unto us? Because I believe that there is a language that God has already spoken unto you, a word that God has already spoken into your life that God has a desire to see fulfilled and he has a desire to see done and completed in your life. But when you get to the place where now you've got to put your hands to work, will you fall on your own place of understanding or will you remember the word that God has already spoken in your life? Oftentimes, memory and mind is the first place the enemy loves to attack because if I can get you to a place where I begin to alter what God has already said unto you, then now I can put a control over you. It is not the craftiness of the serpent to crawl in the garden and to make them alter the understanding and interpretation of what God had already spoken unto them. Let me tell you, your own desire, our own desires, and our own place of comparison can make us alter the word that God has already given unto us and further separate, try to separate us from what God has already spoken in our life. I want to bring you back to that place where you get to the place again where you say, God, I remember what you've told me. I know what you said over my life. I know what you have done. I see it. I see your goodness. I see your working. And I want to accomplish exactly what you have already told me. I will no longer let discouragement defeat me. I will no longer let the disappointments of myself and others stop me from accomplishing what you have given unto my life. I will not let comparison uh, paralyze me from accomplishing the will of God over my life. But I am going to stand flat-footed in the word that God has already spoken over my life. And I'm going to see it through and I'm going to finish what God has started in my life. I want to see it finished what God has spoken over my life. Because there are some people in this room who are paralyzed in this moment. And they are not fully moving in what God has told them to do. That there are some of us who've gotten to the stage of questioning and saying, God, I don't know how to get overcome the challenge of my questions because I, I don't see a way through in this very moment. But I want to tell you that if you would just trust in what God has told you, that God wants to loose you from that place so that he can use you in greater ways. That he wants to loose you from that place that has put you in, made you feel imprisoned. That place that has made you feel as though you cannot go any further than where you are right now. God wants to loose you from that place so that he can use you. We read Judges 6 for a reason because we see Gideon is in the wine press. And he is threshing wheat in the wine press. And now he is doing a work and he gets a visitation in the middle of his normalcy. In the middle of his place of work, they are hiding in, in this part because they are at war. And they are concerned that if it is done visibly, because normally that is not a thing that is done underground, but it is done uh, in the open, in the visible, uh, in visibility. And here uh, he, you see in Judges that he is doing it underneath a place because he doesn't want to be discovered in what he's doing. Because out of fear that someone would take the work that he has done. And he gets an angelic visitation. And it calls him a mighty 
man of valor. And that God has use of him. And he says, wait, mm -mm, that ain't going to work. I, we're the weakest clan. <laughs> you ain't going to go up the street and talk to them other brothers up there who, who got it together, but you're going to come over here to the weakest one and make use of me. And you're going to call me a mighty man of valor. I don't think I've ever seen myself as a mighty man of valor. It's beautiful how with one visitation of God, it can alter your perception of how you see yourself. That one word from God will change your very paradigm in how you think of yourself. Because I believe that there are moments where we don't see and I, the way we see does not align in the way God is. And that is why I love that the scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if I counted everything I see versus what my faith is saying, there is something that is going to always come up short. But faith has a way of getting me back in the game, getting me back into the assignment, pulling me closer back to what he has for me. And here he is coming and he says, listen, it's time. You've got to leave the wine press now because I need you on the battlefield. I need you to go to work. I want to loose you. I want to free you from this place. And I want you to go to work now. And I know you don't think that you have the experience that is necessary. But let me tell you, when it's all said and done, it's going to feel like you're fighting one man. Because usually the first thing we do is we count the, the enemies. We start looking at every reason why. There was something uh, someone told me one time. Uh, and going back to my mouth, I, I had to help bring some understanding. They said, I want you to make a pros and cons list for why you want to do or don't want to do what it is that you feel. I was d debating on a job and what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And I made this pros and cons list. And I had a very long cons list, very short pro list. Then the other job, I had a very long pro list and a very short con list. And I was sitting and I was still debating between the two. And God says, why are you even wasting your time with this? Because there is only one of them that I actually told you to go to. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to Hilton Head. <laughs> and I end up there for a, a reason and for a purpose because we have tried to teach you strategies that sometimes don't follow what the faith is. If God has given me a word, it does not matter about my pros or cons list. It does not matter about my finances or what I do or do not have. I'm sorry, I get excited now. Uh, I, it does not matter of those things because if God has called me to it, then I have to rest assured, be assured that he has already purposed and planned it out, that he is going to see me through the entire thing. Can you just take a moment and praise God for every moment that you doubted what God was going to do that every time he steps in and he finds a way to make it happen over your life can you just thank God for every moment that you thought you were out of it but God healed your body anyhow that is the God that we serve that in the moments that I think I'm out of it he steps in and gives me a word I want to tell you that I believe that God wants to step deeper in this room and wants to release a word over your life that God wants to step deeper into your situation and re release a word over it. Because he wants to loose you from this place you're in because he has use of you. Can you do me a favor? Can you just encourage a neighbor real quick and tell them God has use of you?
God has use of you. <laughs> That's right. I'm not too old. God, God has use of you. God has use of you. Now encourage yourself and say, God has use of me. We have been locked in the prison of comparison. We have been locked in the prison of feeling as though we cannot accomplish the task. But I believe that even in this moment that God wants to loose you from that place. Because let me tell you something. There is a person who isn't thinking that, listen, I am too old to accomplish what God has told me to do. My friends, maybe you need to go back to Genesis and read a little bit about Abraham and Sarah. Uh, my friends, I want to encourage you that God can still use you. Maybe there is someone who is saying, listen, I, I, I don't feel like I'm as strong as everyone else. Well, there is a mighty man of valor, and his name is Gideon, and I believe that God will use you. Maybe I don't have the experience to be the king, but I want to introduce you, my friends, to a man named David who literally took care of sheep, and God says, no, this is my next king. I know what you're saying, that no, maybe I can't be used, but I want to loose you from that place and say that God wants to use you in this work. Uh, uh, you said something so powerful that he wants us to change a thing. I believe that we have settled for normal, and God is saying, no, come back. It's time to change a thing. I, I, I'm not here to, to fight a people, but I'm here to see a people saved and to see souls saved. And the only way we're going to do that is if we come out of our normal places, that we can't do it in these four walls alone, that we're going to have to walk a street every now and then. We're going to have to go down your pond and talk to someone who doesn't look like us because they need to be loosed for use. See, this whole sermon can't be about us in this room, but it has to take a turn and say, we got to go to the people who feel like they don't belong in here. The people who says, listen, I don't even want to know your culture or why you do what you do because I already feel like I don't dress like you, like I don't talk like you, that I don't look like you. But I serve a Christ who walked the streets and got people who did not seem like they belonged in the temple and brought them in. That is the kind of God we serve, that he, we serve a God who will meet a woman at a well who had many husbands and still speak a word in her life because he will loose them for use. I want to encourage you, where will you go this week to loose someone so that they can be used for God? Because he sent two disciples to go and loose that colt. And he could have done it himself, but he sent two. I believe that God wants to send you somewhere to help loose somebody out of a situation. I want to encourage you that you've got some family members who seem like they're tied to their situations and that they will never be broken. But I came to tell you that your sons and daughters will be saved. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That your sons and daughters shall see the glory of God revealed unto them. And that he is going to use you to loose them and make use for the kingdom of God do you believe that God will use your hands to loose a thing so that it can be used for the service of God that God will loose something so that he can use it for his use I just want to be used by you that's it God no ulterior motives I just want to be used by him Romans 12 says I present my body a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable. This is my reasonable service. That's the part we often don't quote, but that's the power of the whole scripture. That's my reasonable service to present myself for the use of God. So everything else that you done thought about, tear that down today. 
tear that construct that is trying to tell you that you can't move from where you are. We're going to tear that down today. We're going to be delivered from that place of thinking. That mindset that says, no, I can't move further than where I am. I came as a disciple of the living Jesus Christ to help loose you so that you can be used for the kingdom of God. And I believe that there are some other folks in this room who says, God, use me so that I can help somebody in their journey. That is why I find it so powerful that we can share word with each other and encourage each other. Because you don't even realize that maybe that one thing that God uses you to say is the thing that is necessary for somebody to be loose from where they are so that they can be used from God. I walk immediately into the prayer and Renee whispers something in my ear and no one knew what I was going through, what I was dealing with this morning because, and you may not understand the difficulty it took, the degree of difficulty to get here to press and teach this word on this morning. But I have to tell you that God did it with a purpose and an intention because as soon as I walked in the room, he loosed Renee from where she was and she put her hand on me and she spoke a word in my ear and I said, yes, God, I know this is you right here. See how powerful it is that as soon as you walk into the room that God has a word for you. Miss Carol was at the door and she said, you need to hurry up and get there. And you would have thought that she was trying to rush me, but I really felt she was trying to rush the anointing on me to say, no, we need him. We need to have use of him. Come on and get in there and get what God has for you. That's how powerful God is. That once you've been loose for his service, that he will use you to impact somebody else's life. I thought, what better way for us to come together, for us to all be unleashed and used for God's service today? That we could come in a place of unity and maybe you can go across and encourage a brother or sister around this room right now who needs what God has deposited in you. We need it. There is not one person in this room who does not have an assignment or a purpose from God. Your age does not disqualify you. Your demographic does not disqualify you. Your sex or your color does not disqualify you. Nor does it qualify you. Uh, can I be very honest? We don't serve a black or white Jesus. Be careful with that. We serve Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to be careful of those things because religious mindsets will seep in. But we thank God for spe the spirit of God moving us away from the barriers of us coming together to be used for God's service. Whether you're in the wine press, you're tied, you're still dealing with some things in your life that you say, Lord, I just want to be delivered from. I believe even in this moment that God will loose you and use you on today because Jesus sat on that donkey and he rode him in and the scripture says in Acts 2 that the spirit came and sat upon them Father we want you to sit on us today loose us sit on us so that we can be used by you loose us sit on us so that we can be used by you. The mighty men of valor in this room, the mighty people of valor, does not matter where you come from, 
He wants to loose you from that place and use you. So in this moment, let us invite the Holy Spirit that resides within us to be the gentle reminder that we need today that he wants to use us. We believe in working together and coming together and I believe if he sent two disciples why don't we do the same can you find someone in the room go where God is leading you not where you're comfortable but find someone in the room and can we just begin to pray together in this room come on let us stand to our feet let us be led by the Spirit of God. Find someone in this room. Go where he's sending you. Go where he's sending you. And can we just begin to pray together?